What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Matt Lee. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself a the Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and, and talk, talk about, about it. it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening to the world's only The Wire podcast where we talk about The Wire, a show about how lawyers are... Jewish. <laughs> Sorry, that was, that well, we was the Kanye. Kanye sound. <laughs> I've been loving this past week of Kanye content where he just like tells a completely unhinged story where there's like three punchlines and all of them are Jewish. Jewish. <laughs> he like accidentally created the greatest drop for this <laughs> podcast in the world because there's like occasionally in the wire. Not often, but occasionally they'll have a character who's just overtly Jewish, like uh, like Levy or like Rhonda Perlman. And so now whenever they're on, I can be like, Jewish. And it just feels good to do. Um, <laughs> anyways. Uh, this is going to be, by the time you're on your fourth or fifth show, it's just going to be a full zoo crew experience of yes. like just soundboard shit. Yeah. Toilet no, flushing dude. sounds. Oh yeah, no shit's gotten crazy. It's like you get to watch yeah. us. <laughs> you get to watch us discover the format in real time. Yeah, I'm gonna have to it's... change my name to like the Beave by yep. the fifth season. Yeah, I'm Taint, and this is the Beave <laughs> on your morning drive. She... <laughs> so. <laughs> I do, uh, I do love that. You know, maybe like what podcasting will all turn into is like morning zoo stuff. Like the idea is that, yeah, you know, we're gradually recreating actually, old media. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was the 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 height, the zenith of like audio shows, <laughs> yeah. you know, because like there was years and years of like, you know, fucking radio plays and, you know, talk shows and whatnot. And then finally in the I'm going to say 80s, someone discovered the soundboard and was like, this is how you do radio. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's that where we are. Technology didn't exist before that, that they only had the one horn that was like, wah, wah, and that was like, <laughs> they did their best. <laughs> yeah. They had, yeah. They, they, we didn't have air horn technology until after the Korean war, probably. Exactly. Yeah, you had to bring the snare drum in yourself. And yep. that was exactly. <laughs> barrier yeah, you had to do all the Foley yourself. You had to get an actual goat. If you wanted to be like, <laughs> this is the Nard and bah, you know? Yeah. It's um, incredible to think that like, if all of us, if we just like live right, like keep healthy, do our best, like someone is going to invent. I miss again while we're alive. Dude, there's going to be, another I, and I, I can't miss. wait. Yeah. I can't wait, man. I'm gonna start. Wasn't that buying... guy canceled? He was canceled for saying nappy-headed hoes. Yes. Yeah, it was like 90 at the time, I think. Yeah, yeah. He also... Did he die immediately after, or did it take? No, he lived kind of a long time after that. I think mm. he was. My dad was an IMIS listener, uh, and mm. we have like the. I followed. Uh, I don't know if you guys follow like Brian Quimby's shock jock stuff on his like sort of odyssey through the the no. wilderness of it. Highly recommend. Uh, he's got. He found. I think the worst one is either uh, Tom Lakis or someone called the Grease Man that I actually listened to for a little bit in high school. <laughs> but isn't What's Tom Lakis like? Man about? Isn't Tom Lakis parody? Uh, hard to say. Or no, I'm think. Or am I thinking of the, a different one? I think you might be thinking of a different one because the okay. one. I don't know actually. I mean, it's hard to say. Uh, I do no, remember. Tell me about Grease Man. Yeah. I want to know about Grease Man. Grease Man was the guy from. Give us five stars in a review. Get, tell us about Grease Man. Yeah, sorry. We're, I don't. We can talk about the. T- None of this has I know, to be I, in the I, podcast. No, no. I I do want to know about Grease Man. Um, but Greaseman first, I will say, give us five stars in a review on uh, all of the Apple uh, podcast store apps and stuff. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about from season one, episode thirteen, sentencing of the wire uh and uh and our guest today is david j roth the goat of all of our final finale episodes of our tv rewatch podcast what's up okay but now let's much now we need to know about grease man yeah right tell me about grease and i'm i didn't actually watch the episode i'm just here to talk about grease man i will be leaving (laughs) shortly Grease Man was like just I listened to a local rock and roll station and just whoever they would put on later in the day. I was just like I had forgotten how to change the dial. Grease Man mm-hmm. uh, was eventually like I got too far with Grease Man and I was like, I don't have to do this. I don't have to live this way. I'm 15 years old. The world's <laughs> there's other ways to live. Right. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I could always like what if I like went outside right now? Yeah. That. <laughs> or uh, listen to Adam Carolla. Yeah. You know, so that's they hadn't uh, love line. The technology uh, had not yet been devised for Loveline. You couldn't Not get yet. Corolla in a studio with another guy with and have it be safe for the other guy. So that <laughs> yeah. wasn't until the later 90s. The, that was the later, yeah. Um, Greaseman was a guy from Florida who liked to do voices and sing songs. Oh, and, fuck. And Am I the Greaseman? He had a lot of, he claimed to have been the construction worker from the village people. That was not true. That was just a claim <laughs> that he would make. I like that. And uh, he would have, he came up with like a lot of euphemisms for sex stuff. And so oh, he would say oh, those. And if you say those, then they can't, the FCC can't ding you. If you say snarling instead of getting a blowjob, you can do it. Whoa. But you shouldn't do it. It's bad. Mm. Uh, and so he would like sing songs about like performing oral sex on people, uh, women, Bro. you know, uh, yeah, that type sure. of person. Yeah, it's a family show. 
but it would be like you know, kind of him in like this like like a kind of a like a vaudeville sort of yeah. voice, but he was from Florida, so it was like a really bad confluence of energies. Like you have, like it was like horny Branson kind of. This sounds way too much like what I do on a regular basis on no, this no, podcast. You're, you're like it's the you know like when you go to it sometimes a, a fancy restaurant and they're like this is elevated cuisine. That is yeah, like sure, for yeah. you it's like yeah obviously maybe there's some grease man tasting notes on the palate there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, when you sing about you know eating ass but, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's uh it's a very different thing. And again, also true. I don't think that grease man knew about eating ass i don't know that like what his actual life was like yeah, no, yeah. But they didn't no, invent yeah. back that in the day the they didn't know that yeah that was, was another that technology yeah that basically broke brian like he was like committing to listening to different bad and he listened to like endless hours of man cow like there's like some of the worst <laughs> shit that was ever produced and it just rolled right off his back but grease man was like i don't think i can do this is man cow yeah, worse than bubba the love sponge you think <laughs> i man cow might be worse in the sense that he's like bubba's also floridian right yeah, I heard See, him like I think he was on Stern's uh serious station for a while and he would come mm-hmm. on after and I was like, Well, this makes me want to blow my brains out. This yeah, uh, it was, yeah. It seemed way worse. And yet it's also like Mankow, I guess, has the like he's like a big city version of the same thing, which is actually really bad too, because it's like now <laughs> that's just basically complaining about crime and then and but like then you do like a prank call to a doctor's office with like a lot of diarrhea sound effects but it's like really <laughs> jarring transitions between those two it's just you know inner city neighborhoods are just teeming with crime anyways now we're going to call the cdc okay. and pretend right. to have an orgasm <laughs> right, this is a little bit that we like to call uh yelling slurs at anthony fauci <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Um, but this is not a. Hello, podcast. is this the center for diarrhea control? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Honestly, though, it's an art. Can we just at least admit that, like, morning zoo stuff is an art <laughs> yeah. in a way? It's when it's done maybe well, the lowest form. I love it. Yep, it, it's so good. The few yeah. times I've been on, I've been on morning radio. Like, I've like, I have like shows that I'll call into and stuff like that. That's fine. The times yeah. I've been in studio, the thing that you, the one most uncanny thing about the times I've been in morning radio studios, and I've not been on like shows like that, but everyone mm-hmm. is sitting completely still. Yes. So they're just in these big comfy <laughs> chairs with a microphone in front of them, but that's like, maybe they laugh, maybe they don't, but they might as well just be like sandbags. Yeah. And they're no. there for like five hours. Like I don't, somebody is in a booth pushing the sound effects board those guys are not they are just there it is their vocal cords floating in a jar basically yeah no if you if there was a camera on all of the engineers of radio show because i was an engineer on a, a morning or on a am radio uh station in san francisco for a while and um if if you could do like just a, a live stream of just the engineer's face as he's pressing the buttons <laughs> it would be a, i would watch it all the time because it's like it is the contrast between the joyous sound of and the look on the face <laughs> of the engineer just looking and breathing hard and just not enjoying their life because it's way too early. It is uh, it's magical. Really. I really love the idea, though, that they're making the like, 
like the Steve Vai guitar faces every time they get one. They're like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. ow! Like, yeah. really, really hit one on the just nose. Shredding yeah, that sound they're, just, they're like a bassist who's just really cooking, you yeah. know, just like, yeah. mm. He's locked in. <laughs> um, in the pocket, they call him. <laughs> that's right. Yes. So, uh, the, the, David, yeah. uh, the... the you are uh, uh, a co-owner um, and creator of Defector. True. Um, you are a podcaster in your own right. Um, yes. And uh, you are a fan of The Wire. I is am. that correct? Yes, I am. I think that if you were to have asked me without me having the time to really prepare an answer, that I would say mm-hmm. that The Sopranos and The Wire probably are my two favorite TV shows or were my two favorite TV shows before they started making more good TV shows. Right. But I think it's yeah. still pretty much up there. I don't really I hadn't rewatched The Wire. I had rewatched bits and bobs of The Sopranos before we started, you know, getting on a mm-hmm. semi regular cadence with these. So right. this was a little more jarring. Um but I I loved Homicide. That was my like original yeah. number one. And so I thought of The Wire as like it's a lot of the same people, it's the same city, and I sort of like gravitated towards it for that. And it wound up being First, much, much better than I expected, and then I was so heartsick at how the series ends that I think I've uh, sort of revised downward um, my mm. feelings about it. Which, you know, obviously, you got a long way to go to get there. And I don't know why so I you... was so salty about it, but I was. Well, I mean, I kind of get it. I, I feel like the general consensus around the fifth and final season of The Wire, um, at least for people who just went through it one time, was like it really went off the rails. Yeah, that was kind of the feeling around it. But so, have you not rewatched it since? Is the fifth newspaper? Yeah, newspaper. Yeah, newspaper, I newspaper was great, but really? Oh yeah. The first time you watched it, though, did you think it was great? Yeah, I love the oh, the Dickensian aspect. I love that. Yeah, like, I mean the the buzzwords <clears throat> were all good. They were yeah. the stuff about the way the paper worked was like enough out of date at that point that like I wasn't even really like I mean I don't know when the fifth season would have aired like two thousand six or somewhere seven in there. maybe yeah, yeah so like I wasn't even really like a published writer at that point um, mm-hmm. like I was writing but I was writing like unpublishable short stories and about like <laughs> someone who is exactly like me but had a drinking problem. <laughs> yeah. like, Took a little while for me to eventually like to, to find your voice, right? Or to just sort of realize that I had a drinking problem. Mostly, <laughs> the way that that worked at the at the time, though, I think when I was watching that, I guess I just sort of felt like I missed Ed Burns in season five. Like he's the guy that I, I think, for whatever mm. reason, I came to think of as uh, the person that keeps David Simon in check. Right. And if, I mean, if also if I've like revised my ex- understanding of the series downwards over because of that episode because of that season and you know over time then like having seen david simon's twitter account is another thing where i'm sort of like <laughs> yeah, was it ever it. good could it have been? <laughs> yeah 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 it is it, it's hard not to retcon everything he's ever done when you <laughs> read some of the tweets and you're like, right. like please stop arguing with these people right please <laughs> don't, yeah. do not call this man up like a fuck crustable like we don't do that <laughs> we don't do that I here mean, I love his creativity in it, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so uh, just to be clear, so you've never gone through a rewatch. You've only watched it once all the way through. Watched everything, every episode all the way through, which I did not do with The Sopranos. I did drop out for a little bit um, mm. and pick it back up. So I, yeah, devoted watcher, like got together with uh, friends to watch the first episode of sure. season three, like you would for like a fucking Lord of the Rings episode. Like we went <laughs> to my friend Brendan's house and like everybody sat on his weird couch and we're like, it's good. I like, I see what they do with the kids. That's interesting. Yeah. which is strange of us but yeah we were really 
devoted fans into, of it. You were really into kids at the time. I was super into kids. I just wanted yeah. to watch them <laughs> do stuff and yeah, whatever, dude. But when are you we going to start recording the episode? Do you... <laughs> oh, I've uh, been recording, so uh, you're going to jail. Terrific. Um, well, it's been great, uh, you know. Obviously, getting to catch up before that. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. Um, but this isn't a podcast about um, whether or not we watched season four of The Wire for the kids because we had some weird. No, it doesn't matter. This is a. Yeah, uh, no wrong reasons to. There's no wrong reasons to watch The Wire. This is a The Wire podcast, and we, of course, cannot start the pod without first playing the theme song. Pod. Down in the hole. 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 Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen and everyone else, today... We're going to be talking about, from season one of The Wire, episode 13, Sentencing, and this is the season finale of episode one of The Wire. It premiered September 8th, 2002. Vince, can you break us off a little piece of that synopsis? The detail is hanging on by a thread, and Jimmy makes one last... Ah, sorry, let me do that over again. <clears throat> do it. The detail is hanging on by a thread, and Jimmy makes one last ditch effort to save it. Why is that so hard for me to say? Last ditch. Last ditch. The details hanging on by a thread, and Jimmy makes one last ditch effort to save it. Through traditional Irish treachery, but succumbs to the most innate of Irish foibles, self-destruction and martyrdom. That's right. That is not Thank in the you. Wikipedia summary of this episode. I uh, mean, that's straight from HBO Max. I don't know what you're wow, talking really about. that's really surprising. All right, interesting. Yeah, no, they, they really they have, have a weird guy. The Irish. I don't know what their deal is. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, it's not us. Um, so Vince, what was happening, uh, at the time that this episode came out? That's right. We cannot evaluate art without knowing the cultural context in which it was mm. released. Um, and to put that back in, uh, we're going to go to a little thing we like to call the back in the day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back in the day. Machine tells the tale, son. Yeah. That's right. We're going all the way back to September 8th, 2002 for this one. Uh, just a whisper away from the first anniversary of September 11th. That was, you know, mm. that was the time. Never forget. Never yeah. forget that one. Um, some of the things that were going on, uh, Serena Williams beat Venus Williams, her sister, to win her first uh, U.S. Open. Damn. Uh, yeah. That's good, crazy. Good for her. Uh, and, of course, much of the news... <laughs> dominated by the whole Iraq thing. Uh, in the New York Times, U.S. says Hussein intensifies quest for A-bomb parts. Uh, yeah, definitely. More than yeah. a decade after Saddam Hussein it's, agreed... Did you say that the, the headline says U.S. says, or yes, is it US us says? says? Yeah. <laughs> because I feel like that's what the New York Times was just saying. Yeah, yeah this is uh, this is from Judith Miller and Michael Gordon. I forget what Ju oh, yeah, Judith Miller Yeah, Judith Miller, for. famously uh, hawkish on Iraq and got us into the war. Oh, she's very good. Yeah, she's, she's great. Very Sorry, good. I don't follow the news that closely, but she that is I I looked up a picture of her and she has very severe bangs. Yes, she has yeah. great bangs and she's definitely not a CIA plant. <laughs> those, are the, those are the hawk bangs. Um, yeah. 
More than a decade after Saddam Hussein agreed to give up weapons of mass destruction, Iraq has stepped up its quest for nuclear weapons and has embarked upon a worldwide hunt for materials to make an atomic bomb, Bush administration officials said today. Uh, in the last, <laughs> I said. <laughs> yeah. In the last 14, mo- 14 months, uh, Iraq has sought to buy thousands of specially designed aluminum tubes, which American officials believe were intended as components of centrifuges to enrich uranium. Which wasn't true. It, no. it turned out that was just uh, the was Uday and Kuse were making they were, some, it was just, an elaborate they dick were making, sucking yeah, machine. God damn it. I was in there making a big dildo. I was in there making a big dildo for your mom. <laughs> no, I just want to get my dick sucked by a robot. Why are you invading? She is very big. We need the big, big dildo for Matt, mom. Yes. I have taken poppers and my anus is big now. <laughs> uh, yeah. I like um, watching you both sort of rush towards that, like, yeah. you got outfield <laughs> collision in baseball. Like, you're both like, I got it, I got it, I got it. But neither one of you will yield. We're both waving our hands. No, yep. no, 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 no. I want to do the joke where Uday and Kuse are fucking a machine. Oh, man. Um, so that was going on. Uh, you know, lots of, lots of efforts to figure out what's going on in iraq because sure we don't want that uh smoking gun to be a mushroom cloud as they say yeah, we don't I yeah or you. mushroom tip as uday <laughs> would say because of the dick machine yeah yeah still there yeah the uh really hated hearing all of those phrases and um found that like i don't think triggering is really a word i would use but the aluminum tubes and worldwide mm-hmm. hunt thing it's all yeah. kind of just it's scrolling just back those things that are like about big deal for two <clears throat> weeks of news time um and never again and you sort of know in the back of your mind that they're never going to come up again and then when you actually go back in time to hear them like just hearing the words like mosque at ground zero you're like oh i can't yeah. oh yeah and like yeah. in like six it months is triggering you're gonna hear triggering the word is... special master and like want to uh want to yeah. blow your brains out like it's just yeah and triggering is literally you know it just comes from you know i guess the i first heard about things triggering you as like part of ptsd and i think we can all safely say we had iraq war ptsd or oh, yeah. build up to it yeah, so. yeah you hear any of those things you hear yellow cake and you just fucking start shivering because right. you remember the stupidest era we've ever lived in right. except for this one yeah, yeah. and uh, like the mosque at ground zero is one of those things where you could which you know was not a mosque was not at ground zero just you know to get everybody <laughs> back up to speed on it yeah, Other than yeah that very yeah. important yeah. issue that right. mm, i feel important. like probably you know if you were to like go back and read coverage of it and see how people were actually responding there's probably something in there that points forward to like trumpism and the sure. moment and all that but i don't want to do that i don't want to no, yeah, do why? that work i don't want to read about it uh yeah so let's just all bear in mind that it's probably quite interesting and uh not think about it anymore yeah it's well, best to just tune out yeah. I, I, it's a little side note so i just had a baby Mazel tov. um and thank you and um like for lunch i've or? noticed what's that like for lunch or no no <laughs> for for life oh, oh you gave birth to okay all right yeah well my wife gave my wife gave birth uh to a baby who is um you know she's part jewish <laughs> which is nice and um but yeah, no, ever since then, it's been, you know, she's now four weeks, four weeks old. And um, your baby's Irish, Italian, Chinese and Jewish. So like, that's right. She's going to be able to right do there. almost all of the jokes. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. She's going to do most slurs, which is good. <laughs> yes. Um, but no, uh, and it's, in that time, I've, I'm incredibly sleep deprived. We've been spending all this time trying to get this little son of a bitch to go to sleep. Um, I've noticed that, like, I have. Oh, she's crying. Oh, shut up! <laughs> so uh, I'm incredibly sleep deprived, and uh, uh, I've noticed that I have completely tuned out of all politics mm -hmm. like for the last four weeks and it's the most free i've ever been yeah yeah you get that good like six weeks of uh i have a baby i don't care and it feels really great it feels really good and it's like i know i should care because it's like she has to like live in this world or whatever but i don't and it reminds me of my parents when i talk about the 80s they'd be like oh uh we don't remember the 80s because we were raising kids and i was just like oh that's fucking dope like you don't you get to not live through reaganism because you don't you just you just get to live your life that's sick so anyways that's that's where i'm at uh politically now um i'm a non-entity i'm no longer a leftist luminary mm -hmm. um, i just can't imagine what having like a strong sense of the polling in the ohio senate race is going to do to help you right. do like yeah, right. with the task of wiping your infant child's ass and putting literally a getting the doo-doo out of her vagina yeah. and butthole and i'm just like I, I honestly i don't care um yeah. and you're thinking about blake masters at all while you're doing that first of all you should go to prison second of all <laughs> Second of all, you're going to do a worse job as a result. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. You're going to get yeah. leave the little doo-doo in there, and then she's going to make Yeah, exactly. And she's then gonna she's going to get an infection, and mm -hmm. I have to deal with that. So, yeah. Yeah. J.D. Vance, Tim Ryan, I don't know. I'm going to force you back through the birth canal because not only are Bush officials saying that Saddam wants an A-bomb, Tony oh, Blair no. is backing the Bush effort against Iraq. Uh, oh, a move he won't regret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This will, yeah, special relationship. History will remember him fondly for this. Uh, Prime Minister Tony Blair of Britain yesterday offered his strongest support to date for the White House campaign against Iraq, declaring as he flew to Camp David to meet with President Bush that, quote, a policy of inaction is not a policy we can responsibly subscribe to. Uh, oh, right, so listen here, Governor. <laughs> uh, we've decided to back the Bush administration, yeah. And <laughs> hey, we got to get rid of the A bomb, innit? That's exactly. He's building a he's building a dick sucking machine in it. Oh, Are you yeah. having a laugh? Uh, is he having a he's building a machine to get his dick sucked? It's like a Chinese finger trap for the Hussein brothers. <laughs> uh, both both leaders, dicks. citing satellite photographs of weapon sites released by a UN agency on Friday, said there is sufficient proof to warrant swift action. Uh, I don't know what more evidence we need. Bush said, "We owe it to future <laughs> generations to deal with this problem." A lot of people understand that this man has defied every UN resolution. Uh, yeah. 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 He sure, he sure did. Way to go. <laughs> oh, wow. Good so job. That's, cool. that's a that's a good way to... Um, good on you, Tony so that's Blair. that's I was thinking about before I watched this episode of the Yeah, Wire. me too. Oh, so... That, I, sorry. Yeah. I, got, I got one more uh, article, and I was going to ask... I'm, I'm excited to ask uh, David about this, because I've discovered this New York Post writer... Uh, named Linda Stasi, and I don't know if you're familiar with her work, but I've I feel like I'm, I'm I'm rediscovering it, and she just sort of writes like she's just shooting from the hip, and she's just spraying fucking bullets like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Commando. Is she a uh, columnist? They I, usually have like she's sort of like a columnist, and she sort of does news, and it's just it's like a bunch of stuff like completely off top. And uh, is she like a proto blogger for the? 
A little bit. It was kind of like back. It was the times when you when like they were they allowed like three people at the paper to have personality, and like one of them mm. was always like unhinged uh, person that might be like schizophrenic or something. This would be yeah. why I would know her name because they were there was a couple of like iconic figures of that. There was a guy named Steve Dunleavy who was briefly on a Current Affair, and then was a columnist for the Post who was like. Like, he would talk about how cops were heroes and call perpetrators things like mutts. Like, it was, like, <laughs> yes. real, like, old-timey language. Yeah. But famously, he would, like, if you called his desk, it would, someone would route it to the bar called Langan's, where he just <laughs> sat all day drinking pint glasses of gin and tonic. And so that was, like, Linda Stasi is probably, the name is probably familiar because she was probably replaced by Andrea Pizer, who now, or did for a while, write this sort of column that I think you're about to read. Um, so mm. this one, we read, we read one for last week's episode. This one, that one was about Chris Angel, uh, ostensibly. This one is about, uh, the headline is Mama Liza's New Life Real Bizarre. Uh, real is in parentheses, that's why, or uh, in uh, quotation marks, that's why I had to. Uh, Liza Minnelli, 56, and her groom, 48-year-old David Guest, one of the world's biggest collectors of Shirley Temple dolls, are getting a new baby to go with this collection. <laughs> It's like the closest they got to just calling him gay. Right, like, like, the, like every lawyer at the paper is vetting it. And they're being like, this feels like a slur, but I don't yeah. think it's actionable. Yeah. It's not libel if he just collects the dolls. Uh, and a new reality show to go with their new life. Uh, the guests, who are old enough to be their own parents at this point, uh, told what? my... Yeah, told my pal them, sis. <laughs> told my pal Cindy Adams that they have found a baby girl to buy or adopt. Oh. Uh, and quote, she's Christian, said Liza. Funny, she looks Branch Davidian. I mean, come on. How does a three year old know what it is? And more importantly, why would the new parents care? I mean, I'm sorry, did she write the sentence I mean comma come on exclamation point? Yeah, yep, if she did. Right. If she does it. Sure oh did. my god that was a lot yeah, this then. is what the post used to sort of be like before it became like a content mill for like every time a homeless guy goes into a deli which <laughs> is what it is now it is like it was this was how they covered new york city this is why people used to like it because <laughs> yeah. it was this type of deranged luckily wow. the guests say the baby <clears throat> won't be part of their new reality show which you'll also be happy to know is not despite persistent rumors going to be called survivor new york yeah, it's a uh, good joke. Who pitched this bale of hay anyway? It sounds scarier than Anna Nicole's tank show. A publicity-crazed couple with tweezed brows and more makeup than the Joker having a cozy dinner at home with Walter Cronkite, the world's most trusted man, and their other pal, a bitter, accused child molester whose nose could fall into the vichy swaths at any mo minute. Okay, okay. Wow. So much so much going on. So <laughs> much is, going on there. This is so, so reference-heavy. Gutfeldian a lot, but this is this has this that is hundred percent Gutfeldian. Yeah. This is proto Gutfeld, mm -hmm. which is oh not... my god. So wait, is David Guest an accused child molester? No, they're talking about Michael Jackson. Michael clearly. Jackson. Oh, okay, okay, okay. There's a there's a final graph here, you know, with the kicker. Uh, this mm -hmm. is reality. Men with dropping noses at dinner, sure, that's common. But really, who has dinner with Walter Cronkite? This is yeah. Th this is like uh, did she get paid? She got paid. Is yeah, right? She this? was probably prominent at the yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. She had an expense account. I bet. I guarantee it. 
the thing like the a post had that the a lot of the trades. I don't know if this is still true in Hollywood or not, but there used to be like a whole language that trade stuff was written in, where they would be like, "Richard Gere is ankling this production." Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know what that means. That's man. variety speak. Variety. All right. <laughs> yeah. So the post had something very similar, where it was all kind of written like this in this weird, like, wised up, uh, mm-hmm. old timey tone, but by people who were like hardcore alcoholic bigots who were barely being yeah. edited so it's just like very very difficult to parse it's like like nowadays you read this kind of column and you're doing it with like a femme voice yeah but but this was written with like a drunk transatlantic accent yeah right like just yeah. like is this reality men with dropping noses at dinner sure that's common but yeah. who but really, who has dinner with Walter Cronkite? I mean, yeah. you're, you're kind of nailing it because it's like now people can just sort of write in the first person and make it conversational. But then it was like they were trying to do conversational at the same time as they were doing like newspaper speak where yeah. like. Right. You, so it was, it was very awkward. It's this. Yeah. It's like an accent that doesn't exist. It is also like, funny that it's like yeah. the Jennifer Jason Lee Dorothy Parker voice or whatever from like Hudsucker Proxy. <laughs> yeah. Like, but just saying fucking racist New York Post <laughs> yeah. stuff where they're like, his fucking nose fell off. He's a freak. <laughs> yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. But then like make it Catherine Hepburn somehow and like see if that <laughs> makes it scary. Yeah. David Guest, a prominent friend of I mean, Dorothy. who doesn't lock their door when the blacks come by? <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, well, that's, uh, you know, uh, as much as you want to, like, hate on this person, it sounds like they weren't writing, we need to invade Iraq, so. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. I mean. More gossip. No, it's true. Yeah. Everybody thinks that uh, that the gossip columns and the, uh, the entertainment-focused stuff is somehow lesser than but it's like well yeah they did but they didn't lie us into a war so uh right yeah. calm down well they they cheerled it like the oh, post was sure but oh, they yes. don't have any like real this is what they're credible on is sort right. of like is liza minnelli's husband gay like i'm gonna go to the new york post <laughs> yeah. for not any information about it but some very very strong insinuations got a hot tip effect. about these shirley temple dolls let me tell you <laughs> but, but like yeah i mean so the times that is that like that sort of authoritative thing. I remember the post, their signal contribution to the war coverage. Have you ever seen the cover of it where they photoshopped the uh, UN delegations of like France and Germany so that they were just weasels wearing suits? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> that sounds amazing. find that image and share it because it's <clears throat> the, uh, <laughs> they, that was their way of like, because the way that they didn't have the sort of thing where they're like, yeah, he's got these aluminum tubes, which many believe are for use in centrifuges no. to create. Like, the Post doesn't care about any of that stuff. They're no. Like, they're trying to stop us from fucking bombing this guy. Can you believe yeah. that? These the, French bitches are trying to stop us from doing that? Yeah. The voice the one, of, I remember like, living in New York and taking a picture of the New York Post headline that was just in huge letters, welcome to New York, comma, now die, like in... Uh, yeah. It was like when, I don't know, they brought back like Khalid Sheikh Mohammed or something. Someone, one of the like 9-11 people was in New York for some reason. And that was just like, it took up like half the page. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I, I mean, because like the post, like the voice of it isn't this like, like you said, it's not the authoritative New York Times, like kind of like, uh, you know, they're sitting around, they're fucking, they're wearing their monocles and their top hats and they're going, you know, this is all the aluminum tubes. Whereas like 
the New York Post was just that, you know, guy from Spider-Man 1 yelling at the Green Goblin, like, hey, this is New York. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. all stick together when yeah. we see the Spider-Man. You mess with <laughs> Spider-Man like that? Yeah. We all love Spider-Man here. <laughs> like, that's that's the New York Post. It's yeah. uh, a dumb guy patriot. And stay Which out of my bodega. <laughs> so apparently they did another Weasel cover in 2017. <laughs> that one was uh, UN's shameful Jerusalem vote. Stop, go the Weasels. That was the headline that they had. Mm. Um, I'm going to see if I can find a link to this image. All right, there we go. So I'll, sh I'll share the, uh, the OG I do here need to see it. So that um, you can know this is going to be great uh, for the people listening to the podcast you can't i mean we'll it. describe it to them yeah. they look uh, like weasels so it's kind of surprising how much like weasels they look they did a very good job oh, oh my god wow. this <laughs> is this is a very this is a real bad fucking photo yeah, i'm I getting mean, more like I'm, I'm getting more ferret vibes from this yeah but. it's a ferret thing i think actual weasels are too tough looking but um yeah yeah, yeah. they didn't want to make them look badass yeah <laughs> um, but you can imagine how uh deranging it is to just be like Go into the shitty job that you have if you're mm -hmm. me when you're like 23 years old when this is happening. And like you just walk by that as you're getting on the subway and you're like, uh huh. <laughs> and then yeah, you just cool. keep moving because that's like, that is just not your problem or anyway, not anything yeah. you can do anything about. I was Pretty studying abroad this year, which was the worst year to be studying abroad because like yeah. you go from, okay, like people are going to think I'm cool because I'm American. And then it's like, the entire news cycle for the entire time I'm there is just uh, Bush trying to lie the rest of the world into a war. And yep. everybody's like, hey, you suck. I was like, oh, dang it. Like, I don't dang actually, it. I'm not the hugest fan of his, but. Yeah. 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 I, I'm sorry. I, I came here to fuck. Right. <laughs> yeah. It is tough, though, that it, like I do remember that feeling of just sort of being like, I've got like the actual like these are real Levi's like I got them at a store like a Levi's store and then you go there and people are just sort of like explain to me your values now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like I remember when Obama got elected there was people being like oh I was in a bus in Stockholm and some girl just came up and kissed me and I was like son of a bitch. Yeah you, know, you right? fucked up you came at the wrong time. That, yeah. way, that wasn't the response when like Donald Rumsfeld was like war if you look at it backwards is raw and it isn't yeah. cooked yet but we're not ready to yeah just, uh. they kept showing the same picture of the guy running out of the church with the same vase so how much looting is there they just keep repeating i swear the same guy ran out of the church with the same vase four or five times mm -hmm. Fallujah's all crisis actors yeah. um great shit r.i.p obviously to donald rumsfeld i thought his episode of uh, pod yourself a gun was one of the best ones that you guys did where he was i thought it was great too he yeah. really like i don't know man he just nailed bobby bacala he you got know? He just, bits. and he understood yeah. yeah i think he just understood he was the, the vibe was right you know yeah. the vibe was good r.i.p friend of the pod donnie rummy <laughs> rum um yeah so that's what was going on at the time of this episode um and now let's get into it. First, I'm going to do uh, this week's Balmer B stories. Um, I, again, I had a baby, so I wasn't able to record this on time. Go ahead. Do we need to do an ad break? Um, Not yet. Okay. All right. Just checking to make sure you had that ads. on the docket. Oh, yeah. We got ads now, dog. Yeah. Nice. Dude, we're huge. Um, Yeah. We're fucking rich. Uh, so yeah, this week's Ball and B story. I wasn't able to record uh, it yet because I got this baby downstairs and whatnot. So I gotta just do some of it a cappella. It's um, 
It's based on the 2002 song by John Mayer, No Such Thing. Um, that we because, all know and remember well. Yeah. Oh, it's everyone. It was his first big hit. Okay. It was the one that's oh, is that like, the one where I he's wanna... Gonna... Oh, okay. The one where he's, yeah. he sings like he's sticking run. his tongue out the whole time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Hey, don't yeah. make fun of him. He's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> he gave he's cool Jessica Alba herpes or something. Okay. <laughs> 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 I want to run through the halls of the courtroom. I want to scream at the top of my lungs. I just found out that there's no winning the drug war and that Rawls and all the bosses have won. Uh, yeah, and then there's a, Welcome to the real world, Jim McNulty. Bomber B story. You lost your case. You lost your wife. Sadie didn't arrest more black guys. Uh, uh, Jimmy only cuffed one of two drug kings But Stringer is free He says nicely done to him smugly And that's not enough for Jimmy They love to follow the chain of command But now he's in the boat and not the land All right, and there's... I can't wait. I can't wait. But that's a good. Yeah, that's a good pitch. I, I can't that's wait. also like an especially good job, given that like the thing that you were doing. Like obviously, I know it's part of the podcast. It's a bit you wrote it. Sure. You just hopped on a Zoom call with two homies and sang a John Mayer song at them. We were both looking at you the whole time. Mm-hmm. I know. I, well, I mean, I was embarrassed the entire time, and I looked away from you to hide my shame. I didn't so, look away. I was locked on eye contact. I'm glad you did. I'm glad someone looked at me while it happened, but uh, you know, I'm a brave man. I like to sing John Mayer to my friends. Um, so yeah, that is the uh, the musical cultural context of the time. The Wire, it's a big John Mayer show. All right, so let's get into this episode, the finale of season one of The Wire. Um, lot going on. Uh, this is, uh, you know, we've got... The detail is now running on fumes. Uh, you've got Kima in the hospital. You've got all these arrests happening. And uh, you've got Herc thinking that he is going to be the fucking, you know, sergeant. he's going to be a fucking sergeant yeah. now. Um, and uh, it's called sentencing, which means we're going to see a lot of sentencing happening in this episode. So let's talk about it, Vince. General thoughts. What did you think of this episode? Yeah, um, I mean, having we've we've done a show about the Sopranos and a and a show about the Wire, and I think we mm-hmm. naturally want to contrast the two. And I would I would say like the main difference between the two is that I feel like the Wire is much more intentional uh, than the Sopranos in that like sure. there's a message that David Simon has that he wants you to get out of all the things uh, that he's telling you, whereas you know David Chase is a lot more. Uh, novelistic in his approach he doesn't necessarily have he has a point of view but it's more about he's creating these characters and he's he's a little more of a of a gardener he he's creating these mm. characters and sort of seeing where they they take them i don't know sure. that he has like a, a a grand outline of where he's gonna go um and the wire being an intentional show this is the season one finale it's kind of just him going through and putting a button on it, everything uh wrapping yeah. everything up making sure it's all in a nice little bow and uh you know normally that's not like my favorite type of show but like the the way the wire does it, it like he's he's so thorough uh with all of his storylines and so clear about what he's trying to tell that uh i really appreciated it and um just the way uh that 
he has a way of making these, this dialogue that's very sort of expository. That's very much like the characters speaking through the text to you. He makes that feel real um, Mm -hmm. in a way that a lot of shows don't. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a great episode. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, David, what'd you think of this episode? I think I broadly agree with Vince on that. Like it's, it's weird. You can see the stuff that I would eventually not like sour on the wire, but like it is didactic. Like that's totally Mm -hmm. correct. Like it is, he's not, um, going to let you miss the point of this. And that's, you know, to a certain extent, to his credit, I think like this is, an, it's an issue show. It's an old fashioned kind of show in that way. And I think that, uh, you know, I don't want to say that there should be more shows like that because when you see shows that do try to kind of like speak on the issues of the day, it is reliably the most oafish shit in the world. <laughs> yes. That's how Hollywood can be. Yes. So I think that, it, to compare it to The Sopranos, I guess, that like because it is so sprawling and because the plot and the sort of the resolution of it means so much, I think as a standalone experience for me, because I didn't watch the, the rest of the season before it, I just jumped back in and, and watched this one after, like, you know, I read some Wikipedia stuff, so I know what was going mm-hmm. on with it. Uh, so I know where Baltimore is now. It's in Maryland. Mm, yeah, uh, Maryland. Yeah, yeah. And, but the you lose some of the impact as like a standalone that the Sopranos can have. Right. Because the Sopranos is like, it's these characters. It's like sort of self-contained in a way that like necessarily no wire episode can be like, that's the strength of the show is that it's fucking everywhere. And that there's 20 different people that you're going to see have some sort of either resolution or just a little bit of progress in their story arcs. Mm -hmm. But it is a weird thing to kind of uh, like, parachute into because like even having seen it before i was just sort of like god damn like there's a lot of fucking stuff right here yeah it's like the sopranos you can kind of watch any episode if you just watch like a previously on you're you're gonna get most of it exactly with this one a previously on is like it's impossible to do previously on the wire um okay so a judge Oh, <laughs> a judge a is in a courtroom. He knows Jim, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like you have to do like the thing that the like big New Yorker features do, where you're like, yeah. In order to tell this story, I have to go back to the 14th century. Yes, yeah. exactly. Wild rice has been cultivated in North America for like you know. <laughs> yeah. They did a thing where like uh, six episodes ago. D describes a murderer, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Like, there's nothing about this sounds. Nothing about this uh rings true and then like eight mm-hmm. episodes later you find out the real story like no show yeah. was doing that in 2002 where they were giving you like something that uh like a story that didn't track because it was going to come out eight episodes later that uh he was lying about it the whole time and you right. had no inkling of it at the time like that was sort of a crazy thing in 2002 there was enough stuff in there too that felt new to me even watching it again even having seen it that i remembered how uh like the the scene where we're jumping ahead i guess a little bit but where like where rebay just like takes like every murder that he possibly can including uh-huh. a bunch that he didn't do while eating like a fried fish sandwich and fries oh and he's, he's, he's eating, eating pit, pit, pit beef. beef yeah it's pit, pit beef, beef. Right. yeah another then he asked for, that's right because he asked for one with extra horseradish uh yes. he's gonna just keep naming crimes that he did mm-hmm. i hadn't seen that shit on certainly on television i think that was like sort of new even in movies at that time the yes. idea of like because i think when television shows had tried to deal with crime mm-hmm. even a show like homicide which i loved uh they had like a you know a big bad drug dealer network uh and you know 
cops that were obsessed with bringing him down is a similar sort of and you can mm-hmm. see some of those people tony lewis who is one of the uh detectives from that season of it has a very brief part in this one peter garrity who is in homicide is the uh judge in this one there's a lot mm-hmm. of like shared uh sort of cast stuff and resonance yeah but even then they had to make the bad drug dealer he was like a fucking vampire you know like <laughs> right. he was like unkillable and he lived in this big fancy you know white apartment over the you know overlooking the inner harbor and stuff this actually like taking the milieu uh seriously and having the people in it sort of like ring true it still feels uh like new to me like that level of care mm-hmm. to like criminals um mm-hmm. and also the sort of like simultaneous kind of like salty laughing at the cops and what fucking shit heels they can be. Yes. It's like all of that still actually hits to me as like a uh, fresh feeling. And, and like the, you know, humanizing of the criminals in the show isn't ham fisted. Right. It's, it's not like, like, we're not so different. You and I, I'm just, yeah, a right. It, exactly. Shit, like. No, it's just, uh, again, you know, the word I keep using is verisimilitude when it comes to the show. Uh, and a lot of that is because of the fact that they're not dramatizing the humanity of people who you would, you know, in any other show you would, yeah, that would be played by fucking vampires. Right. Like they're not making it dramatic. They're just making it like almost, uh, you know, like at one point they're discussing the reorganization of the org chart for the Barksdales, you know, (laughs) it's like they're, they're talking about like, okay, so we're going to run it while you're, you know, away for a little bit. Like it's, uh, it's procedural, uh, and, and almost casual as opposed to like the way TV usually is, which is just like every scene is dramatic. Every, every criminal, you know, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to revitalize the Joker and show his humanity. You know? and <laughs> yeah. It's like this, well, is, that's the this thing. is how I became a monster. That's the it's thing like about this... David Simon's intentionality. It's not annoying because the point of view that he's trying to get across is actually something that's well thought out. Whereas usually yes. like when someone has a point of view, uh, not only are they sort of soft peddling it because they're like there's it's like they're trying to hide their didacticism uh in some way mm-hmm. which david simon doesn't try to hide it at all yeah. he's very For open with worse. it and he doesn't try to Not. hide it because the thing that he's trying to get across is like an actual like nuanced take on on the state of things whereas right you usually don't get that usually like the intentionality is like a half-assed okay we got to figure out why we made the show uh right like they they had that to begin with like it was never uh, it was never up in the air to me, that's what I, I, I love about this um, finale, the season finale, uh, because uh, I think in any other cop show, um, the entire sentencing part of it would be the grand, like, fucking finale, the winning. The, he won, mm-hmm, you right. know, that that's like, it would be played as triumphant. The fact that, like, they're arresting, like, eight people, they're clearing all these murders, they got fucking Weebay, they got Avon behind bars, um, and yeah, they didn't get Stringer, but, you know, that would, in any other show, it'd be like, uh, you know... Uh, the, it, it's not a perfect justice system, but right. it's what we got. That would you be know? like how they'd spin it forward for the next season, like being like, there's still one more bit of unfinished yes. business that I need. Yeah, right. Ex- exactly. But in this, it's like the the just ultimate kind of failure feeling that you have during the entire like sentencing part and for the, petty the, the incredibly petty is, reasons. It's not for yeah for the yeah. most petty reasons. It, it's it is like. 
to me, it's almost brilliant because in kind of like writing out like the outline of, okay, what happened in this episode? Like uh, part of me like wants to write um, the cops won, but it doesn't feel like it. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, and yeah, so like this episode is is basically just about how McNulty is never going to be happy. And uh, how he is doomed to uh, to be sabotage a, a, himself, number to one, to sabotage himself and be a martyr. Yeah. And um, the other thing and, I'd add to that, because I think that's yeah. exactly right, is that there's there's been characters like that in terms of cops where they, you know, certainly are martyring themselves or they're, you know, they're married to sure. the job or whatever. Sure. In this case, the the thing that I liked about the way that McNulty's character is drawn and that the way that I think in general. Uh, David Simon, it's the one thing I think that he's gotten right about cops consistently over the course of his career. I haven't seen the um, the We Own the City one or whatever yeah. it is, which I'm sure is like probably pretty good. I know the original story and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good. But it's this mix in terms of the cops that like when you see them on TV, which is every fucking where, mm-hmm. that they're, uh, you know, hard workers, people with sense of values and, you know, like sort of not exactly angels, but like they're on the, the right side of things and they're working their asses right. and like the, for us. Mm-hmm. And the thing that Simon has always gotten right in, in Homicide and I think doubly here is that actually they're they're kind of assholes and that a lot of what motivates <laughs> them is that they don't like it when people get away with stuff. Right. And so there's this element of where it's not necessarily what they're doing is moral or immoral. The way that the approach that they have to it is like there are people that want to do clever shit cleverly. Mm-hmm. And for Jimmy, that's like the issue there is that there's not like he's so motivated. Mm-hmm. And yet, like the motivation is like sort of in the place where uh, like a, a moral center would maybe be. Sure. It's yes. just like that sort of hunger and that like so you can see how you would wind up going too far over and over and over again there because he's like he's an accumulator. He's, he's putting numbers yeah. on the board. Yeah, he's he's the Ned Stark of this world, which is like. Yeah, like he is sympathetic in the sense that you would normally be conditioned. Like Ned Stark is like the moral guy in the Game of Thrones universe who gets his head lopped off because at the right. end of the day, like this universe uh, is not nice to people who uh, care about honor and whatnot. And Jimmy's kind of the same way. It's like, yes, what makes him a good cop is that he cares and he's all about the work. But uh, but that's also that also makes him an asshole. It makes him sort of incapable of playing ball even when it would serve him well mm-hmm. like in the scene with when they're doing when they're trying to get the fbi on board like he yes. could use a little guile and be like yeah okay we'll make Just this a little about bit the, we'll make this about the politicians but he won't do it he's like he's he's so uh he's so married to like the idea of speaking truth to power that he ends up fucking himself and you know everyone constantly around him. yeah well, he's yeah, got and that he, one move where it's like he's trying to just shove it up the ass of everybody yeah. that's across the table from him <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah, and, like, and yeah, that doesn't always work. Right, and and for Jimmy, it's so counterproductive that you're just like, yeah, you really do live to just sabotage anything you've ever done. Like yeah. you're this and. Part of me wants to go, oh, it's because he's, you know, yeah, he's moral and, you know, uh, but it's like kind of just this like sick uh, need for purity in a way. And also at the end of the day, just an ego that's like, you need to recognize that I'm right. Because like the shit, 
the, in, yeah, it's an in insecurity. Episode, like he can't be right quietly. He needs yep. everyone to know. That is a classic it. Simon Cop thing. It's there from yeah. like the people that even like Andre Brower's character in Homicide, who is like I think the closest thing to like an actual good person uh, with that job. It is. It's that. I mean, he's an inquisitor. Like it is just mm-hmm. absolutely like imposing his truth on whoever uh, would try to call it a lie. And like that's. You know, it's not necessarily the like most likable personality type that a person can have, but it certainly is like yeah. more convincing for me in terms of like what would make a good police officer try hard. That is right. like the only explanation that really rings true at all. Yeah, exactly. And and that I think is what makes the character feel real because I think, you know, he's not sitting there talking about justice. Um he's sitting there doing things to like uh, it's to stroke his ego. He's just like, he's like, there's one right way to do this and it's my way. And not because he thinks, you know, uh, he's, it's because he thinks he's a fucking genius and he thinks everyone else is just a fucking empty suit, yep. which he literally calls the U S uh, uh, like the assistant district attorney or something. And uh, yeah, so that's before they even got a final no too. Right? Oh my like, God. Like, that's like the moment where it's like, there's two roads diverging here. One yes. of them is like you catch more flies with honey, and the other one is like you need to suck my dick. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. definitely yeah. takes the second choice. <laughs> I have a clip of that. But what you are saying is that if we bring you guys the case, it's your intention to let Barksdale and Bell reduce any sentence they get through cooperation. Huh? Christ, can you believe these guys? Jimmy, look. What? Was it drugs and murder don't cut it anymore, huh? Well, how about terrorism? These guys have dropped 14, 15 bodies. That kind of hyperbole doesn't serve anyone, Detective. West Baltimore is dying, and you empty suits are running around trying to pin some politician's pelt to the wall. Thought you was real police, brother. Okay, so I just got to say that, like, the idea that Jimmy's in there and he's just, like, mad. He's like, West Baltimore is dying because of all this black crime. Let's be honest. (laughs) And you're trying to go and get some politician who has, at least they have no power. It's like, no, I think, I think getting corrupt politicians is a pretty good thing. Yeah. You know? Also, yeah. you could just pay lip service to the idea and still get like a longer sentence right. for the guys That's you're the trying to get than you actually got. Right. That's the classic McNulty bit is that he can't be like, I'm going to say one thing to get the thing that I want, even yes. if it's yes. not the thing that I most want to say. Instead, it's like always like not even first thought, best thought, but like the first thought is always like, you fucking idiots. Like, listen to what, like, here's what it is actually happening right now. He's and- got a the personality of a man who loves to get divorced. Yep. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, the, yeah. The, like that's his, it's his favorite thing is just like, oh, how am I going to alienate the people who are trying to help me? Yep. And like, he's always, in this episode, he acts like such a manipulative bitch throughout. Like he's, he, you know, he gets the feds to sit in a room with him and fucking listen to this idea. They're going behind the back of Burrell because Burrell is shut down the fucking, you know, the, started making arrests on their case. All of their wires are dead. They go behind the back of Burrell to, uh, he talks to his friend Fitz, his fed friend who's like, hey brother, you know, like mm-hmm. this guy who's being extra nice to him this entire season for no real reason. I mean, I don't know yeah. what they did in the past, whether if they were in the same like, fucking uh 
uh, what do you call it? Uh, Go through the fr- academy together or whatever. Yeah, the academy or fraternity or I don't know what the fuck. But um, you're right uh, that he's like giving a lot more than he's getting. Like Jimmy, oh, 100%. he doesn't even say goodbye to him. He's got like the Michael Mann thing where he's like, yeah, and they just drive yeah. him off. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's because he's a fuckboy. It's because he is like he is the type of fuckboy. He nags everyone around him, and they immediately are just like, oh, even if they have more power than him, they're like, I really want Jimmy to like me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, you know, after tr- getting him in a room with the fucking assistant U.S. district attorney or whatever, um, uh, like he calls them empty suits, and then he basically tells his friend. You're not real police. Uh-huh. And and then fucking at the end of the episode, uh, fucking uh, Judge Phelan comes up to him and is like, hey, good job, Jimmy. And he doesn't shake his hand. And I'm like, God damn, Jimmy, you're a true bitch. Yep. You are a true bitch. Yeah. But not being able to accept anything less than 100 percent of uh, what you want is like. I mean, again, it's a tough way to create a likable character. But if you had to. um draw a convincing portrait of a self-destructive cop. Yes. Like, yeah, that pretty much lines up with what I would expect. Yes, it is. You know, it's like, finally we see the Irish for who they really are. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Time to hit the ad break right now after you say a slur. Speaking of the defective nature of Irish people, um, <laughs> we have to take... <laughs> We have to take a little break for some ads. Uh, So stick around, listen to these ads, and buy all their products, and we'll be right back. I'm going to lose the Lucky Charms account immediately. Yeah, they're gone. All right, I'm going to get some more water. I'll be right back. Do it. Hey, Vince. Hey, Matt. As you know, Vince, I love old internet memes. Remember the early internet's obsession with Chuck Norris jokes? I do remember that. Here's one. When Chuck Norris went to college, he told his father, now you're the man of the house. <laughs> why Why do you bring this up? Well, I was thinking about those old memes, and I started thinking, I wonder what Chuck Norris is doing right now. What has he been up to? You know, I actually know the answer to that, Matt. Yeah, I recently saw a health video he made, and I was surprised. He's in his 80s. And he still seems to have energy and health. You know, I saw the very same video, Vince, and in it he says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. That's almost too powerful to contemplate, but uh, it's true. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife made the same change, and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and has energy all day. Uh, I am way younger than them, and I have energy for about two hours a day. Uh, And the problem is, you know, that many of us do not include fruits and vegetables and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. I love special videos, and you can watch it too by going to mymorningkick.com slash podyourself, and it may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's M-Y-M-O-R-N-I-N-G-K-I-C-K.com slash podyourself, mymorningkick.com slash podyourself. Go there now and watch this very special Chuck Norris video. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And we're back from ads. Um, okay. Going through this episode, um, I was talking about how Jimmy is uh, a big bitch. Um, and one of the ways in which he's a big bitch in this episode is through the um, kind of like the finale of the Kima storyline that's going on. Um, so the, the episode opens where Kima is finally awake uh, after getting shot a couple episodes back. Um, and uh, she's alive. And Bunk is trying to get her to ID the shooters and she IDs little man. Um, but she will not ID Weebay because she says sometimes things just gotta play, play hard. hard. Yeah. Nike. Yeah. And, uh, part of me was a little bit like, come the fuck on. Yeah. What, 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 what are we doing here? Like what? You want them to do more police work? Come on. Um, but that's what she does. So Bunk tells uh, Jimmy that he visited Kima and Jimmy at this point still has not visited Kima, a person who is, got shot behind some shit that, you know, essentially is Jimmy's fault. I mean, he's not the reason she got shot, of course, but uh, this whole thing kind of came out of the fact that, like, you know, Jimmy had this uh, Yeah, You don't want to go idea. see granddad because he reminds you that you're going to die. Yeah, no, I get it. Listen, I wouldn't visit her either. I'm not saying <laughs> no, but the what what really pissed me off about the way that Jimmy reacts uh, about this whole like Kima thing is that when he finally does visit Kima, he explains why he hasn't gone to visit her, and it is the most manipulative thing ever. Uh, and I have a little clip. What took you so long getting up in here? Shit. No cards, no flowers. I mean, what the fuck, Jimmy? I couldn't. I, uh... I felt, uh... Well, a case like this, it's always you or Sidner or some other black cop who ends up going undercover. Totally, dude. It's mm. systemic racism and white guilt is the reason that he has not visited Kima up until this point. Literally... 
she is in a fucking hospital with tubes coming out of her neck and he's just like i couldn't do it i just i just felt too much white guilt yep i couldn't and i'm so sorry but it's just like the system that we live in man fuck and it's like that's not that's not the reason why yep he's a fuck boy that's yeah. what i think yeah i mean that's uh you get the good and the bad with Jimmy. The good is mostly that sometimes it seems like it would be fun to party with him. And the bad oh, 100%. is he's a 100% a sociopath. Exactly. And <laughs> manipulates everybody that's around him constantly. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Kima, again, uh, is not going to be IDing WeeBay. So they have to figure out their own way to get WeeBay. Um, so there's three threads that are going on at the time of the, during like this whole um, detail of which uh, this is, I'm calling details from the crypt because the wire is dead, but the detail is still ticking. And uh, so one is that they're going b behind the back of Burrell and they're going straight to the, the feds. Um, and the other is that they are catching a lucky break when D'Angelo decides fuck this i am going to get my own lawyer because he's tired that levy is yeah he's going he's sorry. <laughs> he's trying to pull off that uh that thing where the cops go and let you live on a big farm upstate where yeah you can yeah, just yeah run around and chase all the animals that's what he's going for yeah yeah he's <laughs> he wants witness protection yep which is a reasonable thing to want. It's just if you're asking fucking Ronnie Perlman and Jimmy McNulty to make that happen for you, it's probably not going to happen for you. Yeah, especially like considering all of the uh, other witnesses who have got <laughs> who've gotten tied up with the cops who are like, you know, hey, we'll help you out. Yeah. And they're all dead. Yeah, they just uh, showed you pictures of dead witnesses. What, yeah, how, they showed you how all. How good do you think they are at this? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's weird that he has any confidence whatsoever. But uh, so, yeah, um, D meets with Jimmy and Rhonda and is basically willing to flip on on everybody. And he explains, like you were saying before, what actually happened with DJ Cresson. Um, you know, the yeah. fact that that was actually Weebay who did the shooting, you know, with the tap, tap, tap. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, so we find out that that was uh, that was WeeBay the whole time, and then while um, D is like um, explaining why um, Wallace got killed, and you know, is like they're showing all the pictures and whatnot. You see, like the public defender at one point looking at everything, and she's like low key traumatized. <laughs> like you can tell this is a public defender who did not know what she was really in for. Um, and then D'Angelo gives this monologue that I think is like, uh, I think is his best acting on the show so far, um, in which like he sees the, you know, this public defender being like looking at these pictures and shaking her head like, wow. And he's like, you guys do not understand. And, uh, and I have a clip of that. I don't get it. Grow up in this shit. My grandfather was Butch Stanford. You know what Butch Stanford was in this town? Mm-hmm. All my people, man. My father, my uncles, my cousins. It's just what we do. You just live with this shit until you can't breathe no more. I swear to God, I was caught side for eight months. And I was free in jail. Then I was at home. 
Mm. Really, just like for a show that's not necessarily known for its acting, there are moments in it where I'm just like, the fact that the show never got a single Emmy is like of any kind. Of any kind. Fuck. Zero. Wow. <laughs> like, and I think two nominations in total. <laughs> and these like, are the years when they were probably giving it all to the the mom on Malcolm in the Middle. She probably won like yeah. 10 Emmys during, <laughs> during this run. What is the thing we were talking so about true. with the Which Emmys was a good play, show, don't get me we were wrong. Recording, is it like all of those voters were like 81 years old and they're just like, what did my ballot from last year say? Also, may I have some more soup? And like they're yeah. just doing that. I saw I went to the I went to two different studio lots yesterday to watch movies. And just like the other people, and it's only like 10 people in these screenings. And I'm looking around, I'm like, who the fuck are these people? It's always like some like 80 year old couple where the woman's like, is that the woman from, uh, is that, <laughs> that is woman from Belfast. And I was like, lady, you're speaking at full volume. Number one, yeah. number yeah. two, like, yes, everybody else in here knows who that is. Uh, I don't know if they're like. I, I don't know if they're like the Hollywood foreign press. They're like people that are like awards voters, like the old, right? The real yeah. old guard of uh, tastemakers. Yeah, that's like so. As good as like, I guess it's Lawrence Gilliard is in that scene, and he's extremely good in that scene. I thought he was mm-hmm. excellent in it. He would never have won an award anyway because it wasn't in the first episode of the right. series, and all yes. the award voters just watch. They don't know what yeah. happens even in episode. Who two. is this character again? I don't understand. Yeah. 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 Maybe if it's as good as Malcolm in the Middle, I'll watch another one. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> you know, Jane Kaczmarek is divine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just like all the awards are going to like Law and Order Criminal Intent. Right. That's the thing that was kind of like crazy too. I do think that like Law and Order did win Emmys. Yes. And they would win like acting Emmys. And it was yes. mostly just like Sam Waterston's eyebrows just moving unmotivated across his head. Like yeah. just describing a path across the middle of his forehead and like they were just like yeah it was good i remember him from last year when we gave him an award he's a very nice man yeah just looking more and more like a frightened raccoon every <laughs> other season that's the guy just that like, i bought the robot insurance from <laughs> he gave me very good advice about when the metal ones come from <laughs> but yeah so uh so d um is trying to explain what it's like to be so super super immune to this kind of brutality um and uh they uh, the detail at this point is like they're flying high because daniels is he's keeping this going just out of spite at this point brian wants him to close it down they're flying so high that they go direct from this meeting to fuck in ronda perlman's volvo yes yeah yes ronda perlman is so horny for D's testimony that literally <laughs> she's like, I need to get that pussy you know, smashed. Who else is yeah. horny for D's? Well, yeah. You got to give, this is another sort of moment where Jimmy as moral compass, like it sort of just reminds you how the people, because after that, he's kind of like, I don't know about this. And she's like, no, we're, we're doing it. You're going to uh, smash yeah. it to smithereens right now. I know you're a little upset <laughs> because we were just pushing pictures of dead children that were murdered by this guy's associates across the table to him. But mm-hmm. like, I am, I have needs. You need to yeah. know I how to wet I am. In the parking garage. Yeah. In my yes. Car. You need to know how wet I am based on the thought that I'm going to get a promotion off of this. Yeah. Yes. My career. Like, career case. Yeah. Career fucking case is yeah. getting her super wet. And um, and also, Daniels finds out about this at home. Speaking of like uh, 
people who love their careers, his his wife at first celebrates. So like Daniel's love, at home. I gets... love the scene setting here because me too. Um, just like uh, the, as soon as the scene starts, I'm like, oh, his shitty jazz wife. It's like yeah. anytime <laughs> you see like a woman who drinks wine and plays jazz during dinner, you're like, oh, this is the careerist wife. This is like the pattern yes. set by like American Beauty, probably. Uh, mm. That was just that was the uh, cliche. Is that you know if you have uh, a wife who plays smooth jazz while she's drinking a Chardonnay and has mm-hmm. and, and and serves you some sort of uh, you know a harcover for dinner, yeah. like that's that's yeah. how you know she's careerist woman. Yeah, this is. I would say that because as a as a confirmed hardcore Bosch guy plus someone <laughs> that watched The Wire, I think I've seen Lance Reddick in this scene more times than any other person by about a factor of 10. Both <laughs> shows are really good at having him sit down at like a nice dinner table with his wife, no kids, and her be like, what's going on with your career? And he's like, I'm worried. I love he's, he's typecast as guy who has jazz wife. <laughs> Man with jazz wife. Man with well-upholstered chairs in dining room. (laughs) Button-up suits at the table, uh, husband. Yeah, I mean, and and he's like, you know, celebrating their, you know, there's fucking cheersing the fact that uh, it looks like Dee's going to flip. And uh, this is the first time that um, he mentions to Marla that they are just straight up going behind Burrell's back. And you see this look of concern in Marla's face, like, yo, what, like, this is bad for both of us if Burrell goes after you because uh, something happened with Daniels. Daniels came into a lot of money when he was, um, you know, uh, with the Western or Northeastern, whatever district he was at before. He uh, he, he did some We Own the City shit, I assume. Um, and uh, Marla is concerned about it because this implicates her. And we're going to find out in later seasons that's because she also has some uh political leanings and uh a career that she's looking out for but uh yeah because that's what women do women be shopping for promotions yeah that's right yeah i Um, agree with that yeah we all agree (laughs) i mean that's uh, (laughs) podcast as well so um jimmy meets with fitz in the parking lot says hey i'm gonna take the case federal and fitz says no but then he says yes so they do meet with um, the feds um, before they find out that they're going to try to take the case away from the drug part and into the corruption part. Um, and they explain why they need some corruption. Uh, and I, I have that. You guys have a pretty good case here. The trouble is, we have these post 911 protocols. We can't. Uh oh. It's that time. In uh, Pod Yourself, The Wire, in which they mention 9-11, and we do our segment, Who Did 9-11? So uh, we asked the guest, Who Did 9-11? David, I don't know if we ever, have we ever had you answer Who Did 9-11 on the previous podcast? So I was, the first time that I was on, (laughs) you gave me like a rundown of things that we might do, including (laughs) Who Did 9-11? And I was like, all right. And I like sort of (laughs) gave it some thought. You never asked. I, yeah. I was on like four more times. You never asked. I forgot like what it even is beyond the um. Like, if I, someone mentions nine eleven on the to, show, yeah, I have to ask the guest who did nine eleven. All right. Uh, so let me uh, because you're not allowed. To, you're not just gonna say 
bin Laden. That's boring. No, yeah. All right, yeah. so... Uh, and you can't just go around saying that it was all Jewish people yeah, right. because that's what Kanye would say, and that's right. old hat. So I'm going to just try to think of guys that were on the Baltimore Orioles in 2002 and pick one of those. <laughs> uh, yes. Was it Luis Matos? I think that's, that's right. That Luis Matos would do. Yeah. Let me uh, let me just confirm that I'm not slandering Luis Matos. Not by saying that he did 9-11, but by saying that he was on the Orioles in That he was on the Orioles at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I'm perfectly willing to believe that Luis Matos, uh, I mean, he was near the Twin Towers. Like, how close is Baltimore to uh, New York? I mean, it's close enough to D.C., you know, they landed yeah. one at the Pentagon. Right. Oh, maybe he did the Pentagon 9-11. That's right. You can't rule any of that out. Yeah, he was there. Terrific. Luis Matos. All Ring right. Bell. You yeah. heard it here first. Luis <laughs> <laughs> <Yep. laughs> Matos did 9-11. Sorry. Um, moving on. Uh, so then uh, we get the scene in which um, fucking <laughs> Jimmy decides to fuck himself by yelling at the feds and they decide to go in a different direction. So they're not going I to I mean, be in that situation, you think he could have, like, they're doing all this stuff that is uh, blatantly illegal, like pointing to the witness uh, to tell mm-hmm. which, which murderer to identify. Like, they're cutting all these corners. You're telling me they couldn't cut the corner where they, like, figure out uh, that one of these gangsters has some sort of connection to some other uh, organized crime that they're trying to catch or, or, right. you know, Middle Eastern cousin or, you know, they got, they do have, yeah. they, they do have corrupt politicians in their pocket. Like that is part of the case, but no, nope. it's like, where do you think the drugs come from? Yeah. Jimmy right. could not Just, play you follow ball it far enough up. Like, yeah, yeah. There's some like international connection to this. Like it's not a lot of cocaine grown in the United States. Yeah, and uh, it is funny that they're kind of like, you know, hey, yeah, where do you think heroin be... comes from? Right. Well, that, well they say it. it's like it's got to <laughs> be organized. shore of Maryland, Hagerstown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually grown next to where they make the pit beef. Right. Um, <laughs> no, but it's like, you know, the, the, the people that they mention they need to have connections to are like international terrorism, a.k.a. Arabs. Um, or um, organized crime, a.k.a. Italians, yeah. or uh, cocaine distributors, a.k.a. Colombian. Like, basically, they're like, you need the right races in yeah. order for the FBI to go after them, yeah. which is probably the most honest representation of what the feds are about that I've ever seen. Because, like... The thumb on the scale or not, it's so fucking infuriating because you're like, yeah, that actually like checks out. Like if you look yeah. at like what crimes get investigated and how, like, yes. yes. Well, I mean, that's the, J. Edgar Hoover created the FBI and like that was kind of his whole thing was like, which, yeah. totally. which brown people yeah. do we go after? Yeah. I guess and now it, you could add like, it's like Antifa involved. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's like yeah. subversives you can mix in there now. But. Does anyone yeah. have blue hair? Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you show me a litter box. I need a smoking litter box. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, a smoking I mean, litter box that is just emanating dust from a furry peeing on it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But it, it's so funny, too, because like they just happen to be living in a post 9-11 world at the time. Uh, so Jimmy is like super mad that like the FBI has moved on from COINTELPRO. <laughs> and like, he's just like, you know, what ha- What happened to the FBI? You guys used to pr- prosecute black crime. 
just as much as other crimes. And now, uh, with you, just a bunch of empty suits. Yeah, it's, like skipping ahead a little bit. It's like, we used to make something in this country. Yes. Specious <laughs> yes. cases against minorities <laughs> yeah, for drug crimes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so he yells at them and uh, fucks himself, which we will get to uh, get into in a second. Um, but uh, let's talk about what's going on with uh, the Barksdale organization. I mean, Avon has made bail, um, and he and Stringer and uh, Levy meet in an underground garage, you know, deep throat style. And uh, discuss the fact that it seems like they, you know, had a wire and all that. Um, and I love that at one point, uh, Levi, Levi hands Avon a um, while while you were out note, you know, like the old time way used to take messages. <laughs> and it just says, Bay called, which I love that Bay called the lawyer and they wrote it down in a little piece of paper. That for me, as someone who used to used to do that, uh, as fun. Um, but then... Uh, Le Levi, um, or sorry, Levy asks D'Angelo, um, sorry, Levy asks about D'Angelo and whether or not he's going to see the light and, uh, you know, what's going to happen. And Avon is not worried, but he, the way he says he's not worried is by just kind of calling D a bitch. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I have a, a clip of that. Where are you with your nephew? Is he going to see the light or what? Let me tell you something, man. He family. All right. He not gonna buck. A day or two in the New Jersey bullpen, he gonna be crying, waiting for bail money like the rest of them. I just love that. He's like, listen, he's part of the family. It's in his blood to not buck, to stay loyal. Also, he is gonna be so scared <laughs> being in jail that he is going to cry and suck his thumb and he's gonna <laughs> beg us to come home. Like that is That's my brother you're talking about. Yeah. My exactly, brother's exactly. a huge fucking coward. Yeah. That's family. <laughs> and family is a bunch of bitches. Um <laughs> but yeah, so uh Avon and Stringer now have to get a new hideout because uh the club is now dead and their new hideout is a funeral home. Yeah. Which, and and, uh, and Avon's like wow, we get to talk shop and there's not even any naked women around like this. This doesn't feel very HBO in here. Yeah. 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 You can tell that he's like, he's cause he says, man, it's, it's too still in here. And it's like, well, it is a funeral home dog. Like <laughs> a lot of dead, dead people are pretty still. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like it's also, I think very funny and kind of on the nose that they're like, they're really going to have their, their drug headquarters is going to be a, a fucking funeral home. And then we get to see uh, Brianna. That's uh D'Angelo's mother uh, and Avon's sister um, come, you know, to, you know, to the funeral home and both Stringer and Brianna are telling Avon to step back from the business and that they will handle it now. Um, so in terms of business, you see that like they need to get all of the the towers and the pit and everything up and running again. So they need to get some drugs, and we get this great scene in which uh, <laughs> in which Stringer is working at his cop uh, his like fax and copy machine shop, and uh, he and a guy are speaking in code <laughs> about uh, about drugs. And I, I I it's like for me was interesting because it's like okay so much has just happened in terms of like wires and maybe snitches and fucking maybe feds and maybe the cops are on you and 
the dumbest code ever is <laughs> just how many copies he wants and then him getting 10 kilos of raw and just cutting it in the back. <laughs> and he tells his, his worker, hey, man, close the door. It's like, yeah, that'll that'll stop the, <laughs> yeah. the feds. So he basically teaches um, his underling uh, how to uh, how to take raw drugs and and step on it like crazy so that they can you know get the pit back going and the the towers back going um and then uh an update on what's going on with the pit is poot and bodhi uh are there and they're spreading the word that the pit is back up which means that they gotta run off some off-brand slurs yeah like onion onion selling yellow tops fucking onion you got you got classic onion so if you you think about it yeah that, i mean hey classic yellow onion move uh selling yellow tops where you don't belong uh i do like that that scene implies that there's just like a supply closet in the pit that's just got aluminum baseball bats in it all the time <laughs> oh, yeah yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, that's, yeah you know for later like whatever there's all kinds of other stuff in there there's catcher's masks yeah a i do pee. It, it also like it makes you like you got a rolling pin with a nail in it for some reason. <laughs> yeah. You you forget that like not every single, you know, drug beef that happens has to be dealt with with guns. There's like a there's a closet that has like okay, this is like your non-lethal but still dangerous weapons mm-hmm. and uh so it was nice to see them just, you know, fight it yeah, out. Yeah, going old school. Yep, yeah. We walk right out with the shit packaging. Who is it? Onion and them all brand niggas. Onion. Fuck they got. Some shit they call yellow tops. What you doing? This ain't no open market. You know that. Ain't no market at all, nigga. You ain't got shit to sell. Pack that ass up and hold that dude. You know what? <laughs> what? Fuck. What? Fuck out of here, bitch. Get your ass out of here. All y'all. See, that's why we can't win. Why not? They fuck up, they get beat. We fuck up, they give us pensions. So true, dude. That's very true. Um, I fucking love JD Williams, man. I love that performance. I know. I love this yeah. character. I don't know why not more stuff happened for him. Totally. Like, I, totally. I saw him in a fucking Reese's commercial a little while back, and it's like that's good. He's got to eat. Like I'm glad that he's making money and stuff. But and, and I think like he's he uh, he might be in the show Power or oh, all right, good. That's I, I, like he should just be a guy should that be always working. has a show that he's working on. Yes. Uh, I mean, he is in this show, I think, kind of. I, I mean, to me, he's one of the best actors on the show because you see a lot of, I think, people who are they're just good enough in terms of like they're hey they're gangsters playing gangsters or they're you know um or they're like yale school of drama guys playing idiot cops which is the other way that this can wind up being unconvincing but yeah but in in this case like his character i think goes through there's so many different iterations and so many different places where he shows like growth not not as like an actor but as a character and he's kind of he's the most consistent throughout he's like not someone you're you're not watching someone who's learning acting while they're doing the show you're watching a great actor from start to finish and he's kind of the heart and the soul of the show for me i i I think agree i I think jd's future seasons and spoil stuff but like he's he has like one of the more devastating arcs for me which is weird because he doesn't really change or improve very much in any way but yeah no, it's it's uh you you just kind of watch 
I think what happens in, you know, the the war on drugs is you watch the younger generation becomes the older generation and the older generation watches as the younger generation is even more brutal than they were. And uh, that cycle continues. And he's just uh, he plays it so well. I love him. Also, the fact that they are scoffing, that they're like, yellow tops, that's not the color. They're either <laughs> yeah. blue or red. Um, and then, yeah, we get to see, uh, you know, Carve and Herc have their dumb little moment. Uh, they have a, a great, um, I think, arc that happens throughout that I think is actually a really important one. Um, you see Herc arresting a bunch of fools at the beginning and uh, you find out that he is um, made the sergeant's list. So he passed the test and he is now in line for a promotion. So he's asking Carver to call him sir because, uh, you know, he loves the stripes. Um, but then he finds out that he's actually getting bumped for a bunch of other guys and he's actually not going to be making sergeant. And he, he sits around. He's like, man, must have been all the brutality complaints. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I could, I could, I could see, see that. that. I could see that being a reason. And, um, and you see that Carver actually did make the list and you, at the time you're just like, oh, I guess that's just, you know, Hey, he got a better score on the test. I don't know. But then you find out that Carver has been the leak for the past, I don't know, maybe the entire season or the past, at least eight episodes um, that he's been the one who has been, telling Burrell everything that's happening behind the scenes, um, you know, in the detail and keeping Burrell abreast of like all of the different schemes that they've been, you know, hatching that somehow he catches wind of. And, and Daniels kind of scolds him and gives him, I think a, a little talking to that I feel is maybe the most important scene in the episode in terms of uh, how you, um, it's a scene about what it is to be a boss and what it is to have um, underlings and what it is to like lead them in the right direction because you know you've got to basically teach them how to do a job correctly because they're gonna do whatever you say. A couple of weeks from now, you're gonna be in some district somewhere with 11 or 12 uniforms looking to you for everything. And some of them are gonna be good police. Some of them are going to be young and stupid. A few are going to be pieces of shit. But all of them will take their cue from you. You show loyalty, they learn loyalty. You show them it's about the work, it'll be about the work. You show them some other kind of game, then that's the game they'll play. So that, to me, is kind of what ends up happening throughout the second half of this episode. When you are seeing um, kind of like what where everyone's at after all the arrests and all the sentencing and all of the backstabbing and people fucking each other's careers um you see you know herc has a bunch of people that he's like he's repeating fucking instructions that he got at the in the, like the first season where he's like hey you know you don't go out there and you beat people's heads you use this you gotta use your brain Use, I use my brain power with the Boxdale thing, and now look at me. That's I'm almost the sergeant. You gotta use your thick Italian skull. Yeah. <laughs> there's a great little, there's not a lot of 
there's some comedy in The Wire, but relative to The Sopranos. But that definitely has that Sopranos moment of just like the dumbest guy you know being like, you got to use your noodle. Yeah. Oh, it's mental. You know, like it's just really great. Yeah. 90% of success is mental brains. Yeah. But just it, like, just like use... a pa- Polly Walnuts on like the art of strategy. You're right. Just like, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, you've got these... Like, like Herc is probably one of the most mentally deficient people on this entire show. And anything he says with an air of, like, confidence that's about intellect is the funniest thing yeah, in it. Yep. <laughs> He's just like, listen, I know you want to go out there and you want to beat people up. But I tell you, you know, when you have intellectual brain, take it. <laughs> you got to use and figure out the codes. Okay, I mean, so there was Stringer Bell's also You like, gotta jump the numbers <laughs> in order to get the word search puzzle. And that's how you make it. I mean the Stringer Bell is just a, a twist on this. Like the, Stringer Bell yes. re- reminds me of like the main guy in uh Night of the Living Dead. Like because there's <laughs> there's people that constantly misinterpret that movie to think yes, that the main guy is meant to be uh like a hero. Like the whole point of the main guy in uh Night of the Living Dead is that people follow him because he projects this air of confidence and and he uh like he has the trappings of a leader but everything he says is wrong uh Mm -hmm. that's kind of like what stringer bell's doing and like over the course of the season like you think he's like this fucking criminal mastermind and then you get to this episode and you realize that he is so dumb that he thinks like the copy machine and his shitty code is gonna be like like that right that was his brain genius uh, yeah, he's got ten strategy. kilos of raw in the back of his printer shop, oh, and yeah, he's Kinko's. just yeah, yeah. It's incredible too because that like it's the best way, the funniest way to me to get television wrong, and it is also the most popular. Where people like see a guy and like it's Idris Elbow, right? Like he's yeah, it looks like a fucking movie star. It's a great performance. Like he's very oh, yeah. You'd follow that guy anywhere, obviously. Sure. Yeah. And but like somehow because of that. People were sort of like, he used Robert's rules of order at the meeting of fucking drug dealers that <laughs> right. he was having. Like, or, you know, he took an, like a business class at a community college. Like, and so people see that and they're like, that means he's good. Like, it's right. the same yeah. like, right. thing that makes people like watch. It's like a success brain thing where you watch yes. like, uh, like Breaking Bad and you're just like, when he puts on the hat. Like, I was, like, ready to run through a fucking wall. I love when he wore the hat, that cool hat. Like, it's just all, like, very... Like, but yeah, it's kind of yes. the, the version of it that fascinates... This is, like, a thing, that defector that has, like, poisoned all of our minds and will eventually become a blog, are, like... There's, like, a type of post that you see on Instagram where it's just, like, a picture of... It's, like, the Joker for some reason. Or the funniest <laughs> ones are Mr. Bean, where it's, like... No loyalty, no friends, one billion dollars. And then just like a picture of fucking Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> Where it's sort of like, you understand, I get what you want. Like what you yeah. want is to be like powerful and feared and all that. Yes. But like, so why did you pick like the Jack Nicholson Joker? Like right. doing like it, like doffing his hat. Like that's the thing that shows you what that is. Yeah. What do you see in that that we're not seeing here? But it's right. always it's it's always like low key, especially when if it's the Joker, it's always just be like, don't give your life to women. Right. Give your life <laughs> yep. to money. Yep. Like and cars. Yeah. Yeah. It is like yeah. The, Stringer is maybe the funniest of that too because and we, he is like yeah. he's aspirational in the sense that he like wears polo shirts yes. and like sort of projects in a bougie way. Yeah. But he's like 
not he's just a fucking criminal he's an idiot yes. <laughs> yeah like he is an idiot and and he is he's absolutely you know dressed for the job you want type guy yeah and like We've talked about this before, but, you know, I, I was describing him the same way as like kind of a success win, bro. Um, but Vince made the very astute point that he is more so the guy on LinkedIn who congratulates you for yeah. the three years you've spent at yep. a job. <laughs> yep. You know, he's he's very much a LinkedIn blog post type guy. Yeah, like grind set mentality. Yes. Um, always out there connecting. Mm -hmm. But yeah. like not really to any obvious end. Just no, kind of, yeah. Like you're supposed to be busy. Like that's what right. it means yeah. to be yeah. like successful. Yeah. yeah. He, he, looking busy, looking like he's working is the important thing. But at the end of the day, the amount of mistakes that Stringer makes uh, throughout the season and throughout the series is just like any, I think, objective like viewing of the show you'd be like no stringer not very good at this no. you know uh whereas like like very well groomed but not yeah very like, well groomed the rest of it right but uh is way out of his depth a lot of the times uh but thinks like well if i wear glasses <laughs> then people will be like oh he's smart um but yeah so stringer is uh you see you know stringer is on top um, at the end, he's like sitting watching the money get counted and he's, you know, and he's just like fucking rise and grind motherfuckers. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, you see Poot who is fucking, you know, like he's given the same speech that D gave him, which is like, you can't, you can't give them the money and then give the, you can't take the money and then give them the drugs. The, then someone will see it. You have to take the money and then send them five feet away to get the drugs foolproof and like <laughs> and he's just like you we got to tighten up around here which is just like basically it's what what daniels was saying it's like they will you gotta teach people because they'll do it wrong if you teach them wrong and um that is kind of what is going on here um and uh yeah so just to finish up the sentencing um a lot of sentencing happens in this episode, you know, people well, yeah. getting literal sentences. What's her name? G g gets uh, gets a hold of D, and gets gets him to reflip by yes. explaining that uh, at its heart, drug dealing is all about family, and uh, mm. that's the most important thing. Uh, and yeah, and he realizes it's true; it is about family. She, yeah, his mom makes a really important point, which is not just. I mean, like, yes kind of yeah this is about family but one of the points is that like what the fuck are you gonna do in witness protection like the only reason that we have ever had any money the only life we know is this like what are you what are you gonna what are you gonna do like move away like sell out your family not have any family or you're just gonna be alone like this is not it's almost like you you look at like witness protection when it comes to like mafia guys and you're just like, oh, yeah, that's like them and their wife. They move out and they get a house. It's the, the ending of Goodfellas. What the fuck is D going to do? Right. Yeah. Like what, that's one of the themes what life? that they hit really hard in the show, but that I thought, again, another one that was seemed sort of interesting was the way that not just like poverty or circumstances, but the way that like, well, I mean, circumstances, the way yeah. that like how you grow up and what you grow up around and how provincial it makes you, not yes. just... If you're the sort of thing where it's like, yeah, you don't know how to act in a fancy restaurant, although there is that scene in a yeah. later sense that season three has one of those. Mm -hmm. But in the sense that it's like, yeah, this is, you know, 
the water that you're swimming in. You don't know how to be any other way. Right. And that, like, it's of all the things in the show that you could say are not really hammered home um, in like an annoying way. I think that that is one where it's a very sort of empathetic point in terms of like who gets a chance, whose lives are deemed to have value from the start Mm -hmm. and then are given value throughout that. That is like, I think fundamental to Simon's politics as they express themselves in this show. I don't know what he actually believes now or whatever, but right. You know, it's, the the way that systems can sort of like not just dehumanize you but like atomize you make you totally small and sort of like helpless right i remember that that's like the when wallace goes to like prince george's county it's the same sort of thing where it's just like yeah like what are you gonna fucking do like yeah all right you're like at a house has a driveway now right but like, yeah there's nothing near you for you he, to like he can't onto. he can't sleep because the uh, the crickets are too loud like he's yeah. it's like this guy is not I mean he's just a kid but he's like not lived anywhere outside of the game um his entire life and you know you look at D and you go yeah it's the same but generational generational so like really what is he going to do what is he going to do and and you kind of like part of me was like yeah i guess witness protection does not have the same um i guess i don't know uh, appeal if you're a black man in america i don't think it has appeal to anyone really i mean right. it's the same reason people don't leave cults or like you know weird religious communities because it's like yeah you can leave but you mm-hmm. start over with nothing and no acquaintances and zero zero True. any zero any connections and it's like no but you you see the kind of like you, you but i feel like it's different almost like with the mafia you know like you talk about witness protection in the mafia and it is a path that is chosen sometimes um and uh, you know i people just they they go and do other things you know and they hide out yeah and Not they a almost track record with that either. yeah they oh, have no, a terrible sure. track record sammy the bull gravano yeah. who was like yeah. one of the big guys <laughs> they get arrested on gotti was like arrested selling ecstasy yeah like they get arrested three years after later yeah. arizona yes yeah. no for sure for sure but it's like to me i'm just like the i i guess i don't know it's like uh there's a level of being so provincial and as you said, so atomized that it's like, no, this is you're trapped here. This is this is your entire life. So she says that uh, in so many words in and a nice way. Yeah, in a nice way. And uh, he decides to flip back and Rhonda gets a call from a lawyer that she thinks is podunk, but is actually rich dunk. <laughs> um, and <laughs> It's uh it's Levy and uh, D is no longer co- cooperating and they're fucked. So sentencing. Um, let's first start with Jimmy's sentence because, yeah, there's a lot of sentencing that happens with the criminals, but also with the fucking, um, you know, with the cops. So Jimmy goes into Rawls office and uh, turns out that when Jimmy was being a bitch to the feds, uh, they didn't like it. And uh, they actually just snitched direct to Burrell. Uh, that they were trying to take the case federal behind their back. And um, and then we get the scene that we've been waiting for this entire time in which Rawls finally asks a question. So uh, where don't you want to go? And then they, they cut and you don't see his answer. But at the end, you do see him on the boat. Well, because he already pl- said the boat. He said the boat in like episode one or two. Like he doesn't- Right, but who did he say it to? 
Uh, I mean, he didn't it, say it's a Ross. It the, the point. I don't think. I think the point is it doesn't. It doesn't. Doesn't matter. Like they know he let it slip, and if one person knows, they're all gonna. They're all gonna kind of know. I don't think he said it in that moment. Like they already knew. I have a different theory. I have a different theory about this because yes, it's possible that I think he said the boat to Jay Landsman or something. Yeah, and, and who's um, the biggest kiss ass in the totally. homicide? Very possible. Yeah. I understand that theory. Here's Another my performance theory. I was delighted to be reminded of again. Yeah. Oh yeah. Del- Delaney Williams, the god. The god, <laughs> the yeah. goat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, my theory is that he told him that he just like said to Rawls right at that moment the boat and like he said it in the same way that like Goodwill Hunting was like chose the wrench for his dad to beat him with you know he's like yeah because fuck you that's why you know (laughs) like I think he did it just to spite himself that's what I think I think he told Rawls straight up knowing that Rawls would sentence him to the boat um and then uh, next sentence we're going to talk about is Daniels. Daniels, he uh, runs into Cantrell, who you see, I think, in first or second episode, um, who is now a major in the exact district that uh, Daniels was up for. Sucks. Turns out Daniels, in screwing Burrell multiple times, uh, he lost his chance at a promotion. And things might even be worse for him. Um and Kima, she is uh, in the hospital with tubes coming out of her neck using a walker. So uh, shit did not go well for the cops who tried to do good. I don't know if you noticed that theme. Yeah. Yeah, I guess now that you mention it, because at the end, I remember like just pumping my fist me like, hell yeah, we won. And then, yeah, the more you talk about it, it seems like everybody uh, had a really shit outcome yeah, for themselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Santangelo uh, is now a beat cop. Which is, I think, the most humiliating cop job is, I mean, I I don't know if this is true, but like it feels like the most humiliating cop job to have is the one where they make you dress up in full cop uniform with a hat and you're not allowed to drive. Yeah. They just make you walk around. Cars, too. Like that's having to walk around, it's like. Yeah. Cops, in, at least in New York City, will do anything to avoid getting out of their car. That's what I figured. And like, it's like, to me, it's one step below like to me it goes beat cop at the lowest uh and then horse horse cop no mm-hmm. bike there's bike Bicycle. in there oh by no, right right bike cop horse cop boat cop car car cop mm-hmm. yeah that's helicopter cop um space cop space cop space cop <laughs> just moving further up yeah, yeah. astronauts are, are basically sphere. space cops astronauts are space cops yeah, yeah. um yeah, so uh, you know everything's everything's going bad. Meanwhile, Carve, uh, you see Burrell pin him, pin the stripes on him because Car- uh, Burrell definitely made him a fucking sergeant for doing all the snitching. Um, and uh, D gets twenty fucking years in prison, uh, while fucking Avon gets seven, uh, even though Avon is uh, arguably the worst. And finally, Weebay. Weebay takes life and does a proffer and gets all of the murders that he can under his belt. And he basically, he basically trades more murders for a, a pit sandwich mm-hmm. and tater salad. And uh, I don't even have, 
I know. I he felt has to yeah. settle for coleslaw. It's my favorite scene where he hit his face when he hears that they don't have tater salad and it's only coleslaw. Yeah. He's like, oh. The Orlando that makes six, plus the attempted murder on a police. That it? I do better. I give him more. This proffer keeps you off death row, but that's all it does. You want to even dream about straight life for all these bodies? You got to wake up talking about Avon Barksdale and Stringer Bell. Nah. But as to murders, you might as well give them what you have. They learn about it later. They can charge you later. Fuck it then. For another piss sandwich and some tater salad, I'll go a few more. You want that? Medium rail out of horseradish. Fuck yeah, dude. I I mean, just like, I I need to get a fucking pit sandwich. After doing a season of this show, I'm like, what is pit beef? And I need to taste it. It sounds so good. Vince, I've actually never had it. Neither have I. Vince, can you make pit beef? Uh, Probably. Could you make me one? I mean, I haven't tasted it, so I don't have like a frame of reference, but it sounds Mm. like something that's uh, possible to make. It's just a bunch of times, too. I've just have never hot and fast, you know, did all the crab stuff, did all the, you know, like weird seafood experiences there. Somehow just never got the pit beef with horseradish. But Mm. that sounds like how could that be bad? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds fucking delicious. I love horseradish. I love beef um, and I love pits. So it's (laughs) everything that I've ever wanted. Oh, yeah. Um, Jimmy ends up on the boat and fucking uh, and Bay ends up in prison for life. And finally, last last person, Freeman. Freeman comes out the winner in this episode because Freeman, he gets to go into homicide. He's working under Rawls. That sucks, but he's not punished at all. And now he's fucking Chardine. And Vince, I'll admit you were right. This whole time I was like, oh, man, Freeman is an incel. He's always making like dollhouse furniture and stuff. And he's like. (laughs) Being real creepy to this like sex worker, no. But now I'm like, to go in. No, he's daddy. He's absolutely daddy. (laughs) And uh, and I listen. uh, Apologies forever, you know, saying otherwise. But he is daddy. He fucks good, and God bless him. (laughs) And uh, yeah, and that's what happens in the episode. Oh, and at the very end, Omar sticks up a Puerto Rican, and uh, in the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. He goes. He's in New York. He's in the Bronx. He sticks up a Puerto Rican, and he's just like, "It's all in the game." Uh, and the Puerto Rican was like, "Damn!" And then he just laughs. Yep. For an extended period kind of, of time. Kind of a lot of laugh. Yeah, like it's like kind of a Vincent Price and thriller sort of thing where you're like, "It's yeah. not that funny, dude." Like you can probably and dial it, that back a little. And bit. it felt awkward too for like the guy, like the Puerto Rican guy was like, "Okay, what do you?" <laughs> right. Like, I'm, I know what's happening. I don't like it. And he's just like, <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. the game, the game. <laughs> yes, I'm a southern alligator. See, I don't want to do a black scent on this show, and so I'm only doing southern alligator. It's me, Omar. Boy, gumbo, do I have I'll some declare. teeth? Well, yeah. hell, I'll declare. I've, I'm going to rob this drug dealer. <laughs> yes. And then I'm going to let a little bird eat the food out of my teeth. <laughs> That's what an alligator does. <laughs> and then he goes on a fan boat. Bye. Born on the bayou. Oh, he's, gone. Uh, he's, he's leaving on a fan boat. He's leaving on a fan boat. And that's the episode. Um, yeah. That's the last thing you see is the alligator fanning himself <laughs> on a fan boat. <laughs> Ooh, it's hot as the dickens. <laughs> <laughs> 
like over here in the Bronx. <laughs> um, yeah. Do we have a favorite, least favorite, or a scene I did not mention, Vince? Uh, no. I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, I think okay. I think the uh, the pull quote. You know, they do a pull quote at the beginning of every episode. Oh yeah. Uh, my pull quote was, "You happy now, bitch?" Uh, bunk. Yeah. Because I felt yeah. like that. That really. Uh, that really summed totally. up the episode for me. Yes, that is the the over the overarching lesson of it. Uh, the little quote that they have at the beginning is mm-hmm. it's all in the game or whatever. But mm-hmm. I think that this is really more of a "Are you happy now, bitch?" episode. If you, right, if you go back and look at the text. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the uh, the answer is no. What the fuck did I do? <laughs> um, yeah. In fact, we actually uh, in this episode get to see back to back catchphrase action. Um, in which like he goes, what the fuck did I do? And he's like, you happy now, bitch. And it's like, all you needed was Clay Davis. Like she, and then then you get, uh, you get Snoop like saying Europe. Um, (laughs) she's saying Europe. She, that was when she was backpacking in Europe. Um, and yeah. Think uh, of saying Cinque Terre in a very strong Baltimore accent. That would come out. Uh, Who's your daddy now? Anyways, I got a lot of these. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if I had to rate this episode, um, and I do, I think I would say uh, solid B+. Vince, what would you give this episode? Oh, yeah, tough choice. But, you know, classic episode. End to the seminal season of The Wire. So I'm going to go cl- uh, solid B+. On the grade. Okay, yeah. B+. And uh, David, David J. Roth. What would you give this episode? I went back and forth over the course of it a number of times just in terms of, you know, scenes that that really hit very hard and were exactly what I remembered. And then there's scenes that were sort of more confused or uh, just like that sort of felt dated. I think in the end, like you look at it, add it all up. I think it's a it's a B plus for me. Absolutely. I think that's right. It's a B plus episode of The Wire and an A plus 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 episode of Bodies of the Wire. David no, J. Roth. Stop it. Thank, Thank you, you so much for making this an A plus plus episode of Bodies of the Wire. Thanks for having me. I'm very happy that you guys are doing this podcast and I'm very honored to uh, reprise my role as a person who watches the last episode of television <laughs> series that he loved dearly 20 years ago. Absolutely. That's, hey, that's our beat. Old yep. shows with David Roth. Uh, yes, we're going to, I look forward to doing, when we start doing uh, Three's Company. Oh, oh yeah, that's going to be that. good. Uh, well, I, love be a, I love a misunderstanding. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, is he, I never seen the show. Is he fucking both of them? No, he's not no the joke either. is that everybody thinks he is. Yeah. Oh, that's the, so that's the show. That's the sh- that show plus Don Knotts in a scarf, like bugging his eyes out. That's the whole show. I did not. This whole time, I thought it, I it was like, oh, it's a show about a guy who fucks two girls, and I'm, I completely missed the joke. I mean, that's like, sort I've of seen that kind of movie before. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, where can people find you on the internet? Great question, Matt. Uh, I work. For Thank Defector. you. Defector dot com. That's the website that I work at. Yes. Uh, do a podcast there called The Distraction with Drew McGarry. I do a Hallmark podcast uh, with Jeb Lund called It's Christmas Town. And I I guess for the time being, I'm not planning on leaving Twitter. I'm kind of curious to see how bad it might get. Uh, yeah. That's at David underscore J underscore Roth. I'm so sick Ch- of this shit. Like, just fucking do the thing that you're going to do. Like, people arguing about 
Check marks. Who fucking cares? Who it's very fucking funny. cares? It's the most embarrassing oh thing. It's so in the world. it's so embarrassing to be like arguing about it. Like yeah. I almost feel like you know you're falling into a trap, right? Like I don't yeah. know if that's an intentional Elon trap, but there's nothing more embarrassing than being like, oh, the blue check mark is an institution of the internet. Yeah. Ugh. All of it is so, especially to the idea of like valuing it the way that like it's always sort of a thing. I don't, you know, try to participate in that too mm-hmm. much, but a lot of the people sort of complaining about how it needs to be disrupted or it is like, you know, it's like for it basically amounts to someone who is like was employee number four at like something called Borkle that's worth a billion dollars, you know, and like no one knows what it does. And they're not verified. And they're mad that someone that wrote like three blogs for Vice in 2014 yes. is verified. Yes. And like that, you know, whatever. You can just sort of like fast forward from here and somehow like the Borkle guy has like $300 million now, but mm-hmm. it's very racist. Yeah. And then like, and the Vice guy, it's like got nothing but like, you know, whatever, 1,200 followers. But and, the blue uh, the check memory. mark. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They should, instead of like making it the sort of thing that you have to buy to keep, I would love to just sell my verification to somebody that needs it. Totally. I didn't ask for the shit. They just did it when I was at Vice. That was like a thing. One mm-hmm. day they asked for your norm, like, what is your not work email right. address? That's how you got verified. Well, I lost mine pretending to be the New York Times op ed page. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, if they want to give it back to me for $8, I might do it. Uh, Elon Musk, open invitation to come on Pod Yourself the Wire and um, talk about epic bacon. Yeah. Uh, I really, he gets it, man. I think that's a guy who would, first of all, love listening to this podcast. Oh, 100%. And second of all, it would be a delight for you to riff with about anything. Oh, yeah. That guy, if there's one thing that's synonymous with Elon, it's a quick sense of humor <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and fun hang. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of fun hangs, you've been a really great hang, David J. Roth. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me. Hell yeah. Patreon.com slash broadcast. The $8 tier gets you the shout out. Vince, we only have three. Uh, These are the three final shout outs of the season. You get a corner name for giving us $8 on Patreon. Dang, I gotta gotta see these things. Okay. Yeah, you just gotta scroll down. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll hear it when you tell me. Okay, so the first is Lucas Huntimer. Lucas Huntimer? <laughs> yeah, I think. Huntimer? Yeah, I, I, it was like one of those things where it just said Lucas, and then I looked at the email, and then it said L. Huntimer. And I was like, okay. I, can, I assume. We need to call this guy Elmer Fudd. Okay, he's, Elmer Fudd. He's hunting rabbits. <laughs> it's a good corner name. Uh, next is Theodore Hanush. Oh, we call this guy Teddy Ho- Roosevelt. I don't know. <laughs> That's good. No, we call. Well, yeah, all right. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I mean, I could have gone with Baba Hanush. I don't know. Hey, Baba Hanush or Teddy Roosevelt. Both work. Yeah. I got two for the price of $8. Exactly. That's the same price of getting verified. Um,. <laughs> And finally, Josh Walters. We call this guy Lil Josh. Lil Josh. Yeah, he's, little, a... he's, little. he's actually a big guy, but we flipped it on him. Oh, they flipped it. I like when they flip it. That's smart. That's how you outsmart the cops. And it works. All right. Patreon.com slash broadcast. Please listen to our wonderful broadcast. 
podcasts, you get bonus episodes when you subscribe. And we're going to be taking a little break between seasons because we got the holidays coming up and because I have a baby and all that stuff. But we will be back soon. Uh, with season two of Pod Yourself the Wire. And Thank you to always broadcasts. Yeah, broadcasts. Always broadcasts. We do not stop making the broadcasts. So if you need, you know, like a little bit of slop between seasons, please join patreon.com slash broadcast. Broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice Numbi? 415-275-0030. All right, everybody. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not be true. I'm sorry, I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you best not miss. Bye. <laughs> so stupid. Welcome to the real world, you big dolty, story. You lost your case. You lost your wife, sad he didn't arrest more black guys. Jimmy only coughed one of two drug kings, but Stringer is free, says nicely done to him smugly. But that's not enough for Jimmy.
Charles and all the bosses have won. I just can't wait till season two of The Wire. I'm gonna bust when I see the dots. It's the season where we meet all the great guys and we get to see a Polish cock. Yeah, bitch. A nice Polish sausage. Mmm. Delicious hot cock. Anyway, see you next season, guys. Mm. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.